Fork in the socket with Chester Franklin uh. Fork in the socket, you gonna get shot 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 everybody welcome back to fork and socket you are now listening to episode 65 thanks for tuning back in with me again and touching base with me um i'm gonna ask a stupid question how how are you guys doing today and that's a stupid question because obviously you can't directly respond to me And if you responded to your speaker right now, you're a fucking idiot. It is May. It is the month of May. Today is uh, May 12th, to be exact. And this month actually marks the two-year anniversary of the podcast. So thank you for everyone who's been with me since the beginning. And if you haven't checked out any old episodes, I always recommend you do so. But if not, welcome. If this is your first episode, welcome. And if you don't go all the way back to the first episode, uh, you're kind of a half-assed fan, but that's cool, I guess. Recently, I uh, I did a post on my Instagram at Fork and Socket Podcast on uh, Instagram. And I had posted a picture um, about a month ago now, maybe a month and three days. And in that picture, I announced to everybody, to all of you, uh, that I was getting sober. And it was a picture in the post of, it was a half pint of New Amsterdam vodka. And in the post, I stated that was my last bottle and that I was, um, was going to be sober from here on out. And there was, you know, many reasons behind that decision to get sober. Uh, one of which is, you know, I'm the type of guy, you know, I'm funny, I'm goofy, and everything, and, you know, even while drinking. But I have a habit of, uh, when I get 
up to my my 600 milliliter mark, my 500 milliliter of, you know, straight liquor. When I get to like about that point, when my tank's about three quarters of the way full, I have the habit of, you know, telling the people next to me to go closest to me, um, my support system, if you will, my friends, my family, I tell them to go fuck themselves. And not really, uh, uh, not really for a reason. Like it could be a, a whole good, you know, hangout and, you know, but if I get to that three quarters mark on my, on my liquor tank, I'm probably going to tell you to go fuck yourself. And nine times out of 10, like the problem with that is, is like nine times out of 10, I'm in your house. And a lot of people, they don't, you know, take it very well when they invite you over and feed you and give you beverages and you're kind of hanging out, having a good time. And then you, um, you tell them to go fuck themselves in their own home. So I kind of realized that about myself. And so, you know, I felt the need to change. So I believe it was April 16th. Um, I posted that post of that bottle of my last bottle of liquor. But then, you know, when I, when I posted that picture, I was still coming down from being drunk. So when I got sober, when I sobered up and had to deal with the hangover and whatnot, I realized sobriety now, (laughs) that is a strong word. And so I announced on episode 64 of the Fork and Socket podcast uh, last episode that I was actually, um, I was what you call California sober. You know, when I got the, my, all my senses back, I was just like, wait, what are you doing? You don't want to be sober. You weren't even sober in the womb. Your mom did drugs when you were in her. Do you even know how to be sober anymore? And I, Again, I got to cross that word anymore. Do you even know how to be sober? You meth baby? You alcoholic? You sexy devil? And so I decided, you know, yeah, sober. Maybe I misspoke. Maybe it was because I still had some alcohol in my system. That's another reason why I don't need a drink. Because I started using words that are a little too strong for the situation. So I'm what, uh, I found this term, you know, any way I can weasel my way around sobriety, I'm gonna, right? So I uh, uh, went on Google and found a term about like if you're only sober, basically just only off of alcohol, but you do other stuff, like for me, weed. And so I found a term called California sober. When you don't drink anymore, and I assume you don't do any like hard drugs or anything like that, you know, but if you if you smoke weed, it's not really kind of against the rules of sobriety. Some people would disagree with that statement. 
but that's when you just call a spade a spade and it's like, okay, well then, then you have the word sobriety all to yourself. I'll take California sober. And so I'm rolling with that. Um, I'm not, I'm not sober, but I'm California sober. And, um, I will tell you that, and I'll be honest with you, but, um, within about 11 days, I got drunk again. So I'm working on it and, uh, I am making progress and all that. It's not like a, a big ass deal anyway. It didn't like, uh, ruin my life, but it definitely had the potential to. And so, you know, I just want to be polite to people. I don't want to tell them to go fuck themselves and I don't want to hurt the people closest to me. I want to make them laugh. But it just comes down to bad decisions. And I think that's probably what I'm going to call this episode. It's bad decisions. But first, let me shut my dog up real quick. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Worked like a charm. So, um, yeah, bad decisions. That's what I'm going to call this episode. And I have another story from my past about other times I made a bad decision. One of the bad decisions I made in the past. When I was around... 15, 16, I would say up until I was about maybe 20. So, you know, a good five years from 15 to 20 years old. Um, I sold, you know, I've, I've discussed this in the past. I've, I've sold and did pretty well at selling um, multiple substances, multiple types of drugs. But the one by far that I was the most successful with for sure was, um, was weed. Um, and at that time, you know, I was, I was doing pretty good for a young man, um, just off of weed. And you got to think this is when it was like illegal everywhere. Now it's basically legal almost everywhere. So it's no big deal now. It's nothing to brag about. I'm not like, it's kind of lame to brag about being a pot dealer unless you're, unless you're like the Frank Lucas of it or something. Uh, and I, I wasn't all that, so we'll just leave it at that. But, um, when, when I was in high school, that's the beauty about selling drugs when you're in high school, being a high school student and getting your feet wet and hustling and stuff, because you're going to make money. You got kids at school that got problems. Like, okay, you know, you... You maybe seen your dad hit your mom once or twice. Big deal. Do you realize that you went to school with, and if you have kids, they will go to school with kids who stood there and watched their mom drink bleach? Or, or be going through alcohol withdrawals and drink some mouthwash? Have you been through that kind of drama? I mean, trauma? Probably drama and trauma. Have you, uh... I don't know. Okay. So for you, you know, you... 
Again, you may have seen your, your dad hit your mom once or twice. Big deal. Have you ever walked in on your, on your dad with peanut butter on his balls trying to get the dog to lick it? Didn't think so. But guess what? You know somebody who has experienced that. Not me, but when you go to school with other kids, that's the type of shit that goes on in other kids' households, especially in um, predominantly white neighborhoods. So high school really is a cash cow um, for, for selling any type of drugs, but for me it was weed. Well... You know, I come from a very small town, um, population, you know, back in, I want to say like 2004, 2005 was probably around 11,000 people and I'm within the greater, you know, Bay area. So it's a def- definitely a, a densely, uh, populated area, but the town that I specifically lived in was, um, was very small and the amount of weed that I was able to have and purchase for to to turn around and resell it for you know a profit um you know my marketplace if you will my customers when I graduated high school was going to be substantially less there wasn't enough people I had too much supply and not enough demand I was going to need to either branch out or I had to figure, you know, some type of plan if I wanted to continue making money. So at 17, um, I graduated high school and some kids go off to college. Some kids go off to the military. Um, uh, some kids just kill themselves. I know a few people that they did that. Um, and some people, uh, they get hit by cars and stuff. So there's a variety of, of reasons why these kids after high school, you don't see them anymore. So obviously my market got smaller. My customer base got smaller. So I had this brilliant idea, you know, uh, when you go, when you go to a traditional public school, you get out for the three months of the summer or like two and a half months of the summer from June into, um, and then going into like, I think the first week of September, that's how it was for me. And, you know, when school first lets out and everything, and especially when you graduate and everything, or even if you don't graduate, you know, they just like, you're just kind of kicked out. Like you're too old to be here. Go on and get this ain't a soup kitchen. When you get, you know, sent out on your way, initially, nobody really knows how to be an adult. They still don't. It's too new. It's their first day being an adult, not having to ever go to school ever again. But there's still that, the child side. So I was still able to take advantage of uh, human beings that weren't mature yet and uh, wasting their time all summer and taking their money and selling them narcotics.
the problem is, like I said, the demand little by little as people went their separate ways, um, the demand became less and I needed to keep that demand going. So I thought of this genius plan. Well, my generation moved on. And I'm already selling to the generation, you know, that came before me. I'm selling weed to OGs and stuff like that. People, my senior. I'm already, I already got them, the ones that are already still here in town and ain't going nowhere. I got them. I got them locked. But now my generation's kind of fluttering off. Kind of like, um, like sea turtles. When they first come out the egg and then they, they just instinctually go for the water. But like in my town, um, only half the turtles make it to the water. The other two, I mean the other like group, the other half, they just kind of um, stick around the eggshells and have orgies and um, get herpes and stuff. But I thought, you know. Half of these turtles are going to make it to the ocean. So I need to figure something out. I got it. Bing. Like a light. Bingo. Went off in my head. Corrupt the youth. Sell weed to kids. Sell weed to the generation after you. So that September, um, the new high school year had started and I was already graduated. And I'm thinking I'm slick. I'm thinking I'm, you know, I'm okay. I used to go to this school. I could hang around. And I basically solicited at my at my former high school. I waited for the high schoolers to get out of school and I carried marijuana on my person and I just kind of lingered around and I eyeballed all the, all the high schoolers, all the minors. And did I sell a few, uh, a few drugs to kids? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Sue me. Fuck. But the problem is, there was one flaw to my plan. Is the fact that because I went to that school, the campus security which in my case was a fat slob ex-cop. And I'm not calling him a fat slob because he was an ex-cop, but he was just a piece of shit. He was just a piece of dookie. So, the problem is, going to that school... He was familiar with me selling drugs while I attended that school. He was used to it. He knew my, he knew my, my you know, they're not retarded. They, they couldn't catch me on, on stuff, but 
they pretty much knew what was going on. Kids talk. Kids trust. Um, rapey adults sometimes. So, you know, he caught wind of what I had going down. Well, that's the problem is I don't go to that school anymore and I'm not a minor anymore. And I'm on campus selling drugs to the students on that campus that he is sworn to protect. So what does he do? There is a sheriff driving through town. And he waves the sheriff down and points at me. This is, he's maybe about a block, maybe half a block down. And I see him point at me, but you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm like right outside of the school. I mean, I could just take one step and be on school grounds, but technically I was on city property at the time. I was on the sidewalk. So, I don't care. Tell the cops. I'm not breaking any laws standing here. And that's the problem with the ego sometimes. Is like, uh, no, remember, you're selling, you're selling drugs to kids right now. So, you're, you're kind of breaking the law. You're not just standing on the sidewalk. You're selling drugs to kids. But it didn't dawn on me in the moment because... You know, white privilege. Public, a public sidewalk. Nobody could tell me I can't stand here. I Maybe I can't sleep here. Maybe I'm not supposed to put a tent up here. Maybe I can't jack off here. But I can stand here. Which, if I wasn't selling drugs to kids, is absolutely true. But I was selling drugs to kids. So I'm with a friend. He, he's a few years older than me. Um, so he's with me. He's accompanying me. So, you know, he thought it was a good idea, too. For all you right now, like judging and, and thinking I'm stupid and, you know, what a t- bad decision. What a terrible idea and a bad decision. Um, there was somebody with me a little older than me that didn't talk me out of it. All right. So give me a break. Cut me some slack. Well, the cop ends up driving up to us, my friend and I. And he's like, what are you guys doing or whatever? And I had already threw the weed in a bush. I seen him come in. I seen, you know, I seen the campus security guy point at me and stuff. So, and, um, if I need to go in a little bit of detail, um, it, like the high school was an open campus. That's how I could be kind of on the street and be around students and stuff too. Um, I could always, you know, if they wanted some weed, you know, once I got a new, a new little customer, a new little happy customer that can get some money from his parents and come, you know, pay me and get high and, and, and ruin his educational career. Um, then I can even come at lunchtime if you guys want. Just give me a call. But anyway, I'm, di- I'm diverging off the point. Um, basically, the cop came up and, you know, I just felt like 
well, there's not really any better way to put it. I felt like white privilege. So I got kind of smart with the cop. Well, my friend, my older friend, he, he knows this cop. This cop grew up in the town that I'm from. And this cop's older brother used to, you know, be, be with the shit, basically. He was kind of a gangster. And um, the younger brother, he ended up becoming a cop. And I didn't know... And uh, what's that Rod Stewart song? I wish I knew now, or I wish I knew then what I know now. Because I was about to get my fucking ass beat. If I knew anything about the psychology and background of that police officer, I would have never been mouthing off. I would have... I would have acted like an illegal immigrant towards that officer. If I knew what I know now. But that dude beats the shit out of people. And there it was. Even when I didn't know yet, I was kind of like, I was starting to kind of grasp the idea, like, okay, this is kind of a an aggressive cop here. Um because when I questioned him, like, what I'm not breaking the law, I'm standing on a public sidewalk. I pulled that whole shtick. And he looked at my friend, he says, he doesn't know me very well, does he? And then he looked back at me. And then I looked over at my friend. Because I was like, oh shit. And I looked over at my friend. And my friend was like, Chester, bro. Chill. Just chill. It just wasn't worth it. But there are certain cops that will go take you off. Um, like, you can go towards a city uh, called Martinez. And there's large stretches of road where it's it's very dark. And you can pull off and... Oftentimes, if you get too crazy with the police, they will basically kidnap you, take you over there, and um, and rough you up a bit. I do believe they bring you back, though. I do believe that they will drop you back off in your neighborhood because they can't beat you up and then also leave you on the sidewalk in case maybe another cop that's not in on it, you know, like, walks by and, like, you know, and then you can report oh, I was assaulted or whatever. I think they just, you know, it's just between you and I. They pick you up, they beat your ass, and then they drop you back off at home. By the time the, uh, yeah. So, I just felt the energy coming from him, and I decided it was probably best to, to shut up. And it was probably best not to get caught by him anymore, selling, you know, selling drugs to kids. So I pretty much scrapped that idea and, um, yeah, I did away with that idea and I'd say within two years, I just stopped selling drugs altogether. I just, yeah, retired. So... Yeah, that's my story about bad decisions. And to tie it into the intro, um, have I drank since I planned on being sober? Yes. But have I been getting drunk or drinking up to the amount that I was drinking every day? No. And am I drinking every day? No. So I do feel like I am making some really good progress, but alcohol... 
itself isn't the problem. It's just sometimes it makes me make bad decisions. And that's why I titled this episode Bad Decisions and tied it into the bad decision to sell weed to kids. If you have any feedback, you want to get in touch with me, my email is forkpodchester at gmail.com. Catch me on Instagram at Fork and Socket Podcast. Um, and check out my YouTube, the Fork and Socket Podcast channel. Google me, share me with your friends. It ain't no fun if the homies can't get none. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And if I don't talk to you guys in a few weeks, you just hang in there. There's more episodes on the way. I love you all. Um, Shout out the person who made my intro song. Switchblade Porter. Go follow him on Instagram and go look up his uh, YouTube as well. Um, he made my intro and my outro songs and I really appreciate him for that. So go follow him as well. But again, I love you guys and, um, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.